This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years with expertise across income and alternatives. Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit Nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principle is possible. The following is an encore edition of WSJ Podcasts. Welcome to a special edition of Secrets of Wealthy Women, a look at turning your name into an empire. First, makeup icon Bobby Brown on how she broke the beauty mold. Bobby Brown is a beauty industry titan, world-renowned makeup artist and entrepreneur who created a global beauty empire, Bobby Brown Cosmetics. We caught up with Bobby at WSJ's Future of Everything Festival, where she discusses her latest reinvention and the launch of her new company, Beauty Evolution. So, Bobby, how is your mom your role model? My mom has always been my role model because she taught me the things that matter in life, to be kind to people, to appreciate what people are going through, and she taught me to take good care of myself and the importance of family. You said you weren't happy the last few years working at Estee, but you wanted to leave. What's your advice to women who are trying to decide whether to leave someplace they've worked for a while? Well, there's no easy answer, and I, being you know positive and naive, I always thought, even though things weren't going the way I wanted them to, that I'd be able to change it. Up until I left, you know, the day that I realized I couldn't change things is when I left. So when I was there, I was still hoping that I could make change. What was one thing you were really trying to change? I was trying to change a lot of things. I was trying to really grow the business digital with, with you know, great, um, you know, great photographs and great interviews. And, you know, everything I learned at Yahoo Beauty, I thought should definitely be part of a company. And there was just you know, a big company, and there's a lot of people making decisions. I read you did the makeup for the wives of those uh, women whose husbands died in 9-11. What do you learn from that experience? Well, that was really intense, and what I learned from that experience is makeup is not just something that's fluffy, and I couldn't understand why they even asked me, but then I realized that just, a, you know, even if it's just a few minutes in their day, making them feel good about themselves it really helped in the long run. And I, it's the one time I got up to speak at, in front of a group where I started crying. And, you know, one, of the, one or two of the wives came up and gave me a big hug and, and, you know, later thanked me because, you know, they were trying to be positive and, and move on. What do you say to young girls who look at Instagram and they say, oh, all these women are so much prettier than me? I think that it's really normal in general for women to look at other women and feel that some women are prettier than you. And guess what? That is true. Some women are prettier than you. So what? Stop comparing yourself to other people and look at people that you admire and see where you can get some of their tips from. I learned a lot when I was a young makeup artist looking at the editors from other countries that would come and just have this really cool style you know, how they tucked their shirt in or how they wore their shoes. And I, you know, tried to emulate it. What's it like starting a business in your 60s versus your 20s? The greatest thing about starting a business at this age is I've already done it. I've already been successful. I know a lot. I know a lot of people. And I know, um, I know what to do. And so the challenging thing is when there's only three or four people sitting in a, an office 
it's challenging. And, you know, but the good news is most of those people do three or four different roles. So it's, they're very entrepreneurial as well. Do you feel pressure to replicate your past success? I don't feel any pressure to replicate the success. I do not want the same success. I do not want a billion-dollar brand. Absolutely. How come? Because I really want to keep whatever I build at some at a place where that is profitable, but also that I'm able to really control and make sure it's really great. Knowing what you know now, would you still sold your name? I don't think I would do anything different knowing what I know now. I might not have stayed as long, but I would have absolutely sold my name. What's your advice to women who want to reinvent themselves? My advice is just do it. Think about what you love and just figure out how to do it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Just start doing it. You you are someone that loves to make granola. Guess what? Put it in bottles and get people's opinions. Start selling it. What did you mean when you said your role in life is to be kind of a Robin Hood? You know, I believe that I've been very fortunate in so many things from the family that I was raised in to, you know, be able to go to college and be educated. And I do believe that in life, what you give, you know, comes back to you. And I believe literally to help people. So there's been so many times where I've seen groups of people that, you know, maybe didn't have the same resources. And I pooled my resources, you know, could be just my network of friends to to help. And I think that's what I meant by being a Robin Hood. You talk about being nice to everyone, but how can you do that if not everyone has your best interest at heart? Well, I'd be, I really also believe in people's energy, and if people don't have good energy or are not good people, I don't literally waste my time with them. And so that's something that I suggest to so many people. You realize every once in a while that you've got people that are dragging you down and that the relationship is just not worth it anymore. Sometimes you just have to walk away. Did you learn that over time? I learned that over time, and I learned it the hard way. So, you know, especially it's disappointing when you realize that some people are not who they appear. How do you figure that out? You just, you know, you just, it takes me a long time because I am very naive, you know, even though other people might have said, she doesn't have your best interest, she's doing this, she's doing this. I didn't listen because I didn't believe it. But when you finally realize it, then, you know, you just, it's time to walk away. You don't seem to be affected by the glamour and the wealth that's available to you. Is that an intentional choice? You know, I I don't know how to even answer that. The, you know, I am someone that really appreciates simple things in life. I appreciate my friendships. I appreciate my kids. I'd rather be with my kids and my husband than anyone else. I am very grateful that I did not go to the Met Ball. I've done that twice, and I'm glad I did. I don't want to do that again. I, you know, I've had some amazing experiences, but now I really want to do what makes me happy. And, you know, eventually one day I will sit in the middle of the afternoon on a bench somewhere reading. I have not done that. (laughs) Why do you keep working? I love working. I love creating. I love interesting um, opportunities. I love taking chances. And I love, you know, working with the team of people. So the fun thing is that I'm able to be a little more in control of of my creative posse. What's the best personal financial advice you ever heard? The best advice I ever got financially was from my dad. When I called him and told him that I was having major trouble, you know, keeping to a budget, my father, I thought, was going to give me tips on how to do it. He said, well, stop creating, then stop sticking to this budget. Just figure out how you're going to make more money. 
and I did. Worst financial advice you ever heard? The worst financial advice is just take on investors to grow your business and don't worry about a profit. I don't believe in that. You don't believe in that? I don't believe in that. No, I really do like a profit. I'm <laughs> terrible with money. <laughs> how are you tell- terrible with money? I'm terrible with money. I, I know how to make it. I put it in the bank, and I ask my husband for cash every Monday, and he gives it to me, and I usually spend it by the end of the week, and then I ask him for more cash, and that's been going on for 30 years. Because you like to spend... Um, I don't like I don't like to spend, but if I have money in my pocket, I will spend it. I am a very, very, very big tipper. Like both when I go to the hairdresser, certainly in in Uber. I just because I worked in the service industry, being a makeup artist. I remember someone gave me a hundred dollar tip. I never forgot it. I was a waitress, so I really do believe um, in tipping people that are doing good jobs. Did you ask your husband to do this for you or is that a system he said, okay? Oh, no, no, no. I just ask him I need money because I just forget to go to the ATM and he seems to always have money and I don't. How did you teach your kids values when they grew up with so much? It's amazing how normal my kids are and how, how nice and good and, and hardworking they are. They all, you know, one's still in college, the other two have careers. I think kids don't listen, but they observe. So I think they've just seen the way my husband and I live our life. And, you know, I'm really proud that we raised such nice boys. Next, fashion designer Rebecca Minkoff shares the secrets to success for the millennial businesswoman. Rapid expansion? We're ready. Worker shortage? We're good. Anything can change the world of work. A celebrity buys the company. Depends on who it is. But relax, we've got ADP. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. Drive time, gym time, anytime. Podcasts from the Wall Street Journal. Check out all our shows at wsj.com slash podcasts. That's wsj.com slash podcasts. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal. Designer Rebecca Minkoff is an industry leader and co-founder of Rebecca Minkoff, a global brand of apparel, handbags, footwear, jewelry, and accessories. Rebecca disrupted the fashion industry and created a multi-million dollar bag and clothing line from scratch. She discusses the biggest challenges she faced to get known in the industry and how today she's committed to motivating female entrepreneurs to create their companies. Rebecca, when did you first know you wanted to be a designer? I really became fascinated with sewing and design when I was around eight. I wanted this dress. My mom refused to buy it for me and said, you know, I'll teach you how to sew. That was not the words I wanted to hear, but I became obsessed with the idea that I could create my own clothes. And growing up being painfully thin, uh, while I wish that were a problem I had now, it was a great power to be able to customize my clothes, make them fit me, because nothing really would fit me for my age. So it inspired a lot of confidence, and I just decided at that point that that was something I was going to consider doing, you know, later on in life. 
You moved to New York when you were 18 to pursue your design dreams. What did your family think? My parents said, go for it. We're not funding any of this, so find a place to stay, and uh, we'll be up in a month to see if you're still alive. But that wasn't anything that was new or shocking because I had been raised that way with that mentality of if you want it, do it. My aunts and uncles were cringing. You need to go to college. You have to get a proper education. My, They said my grandmother would be rolling over in her grave if she knew. So I decided not to listen to them and just, you know, go for it. How did you make up your mind not to listen to them? Well, they were my aunts and uncles, so I didn't have to listen to them. I could only take their feedback. I think if my parents had pushed me or didn't let me go or had said, no, you can't, then I probably would have had more pause. You lived on a tight budget, very tight budget when you started out. How tight was that? I made $6 an hour at my design job. My rent at the time was about $800 a month. So I think that leaves you with um, ramen and bagels and cream cheese. And uh, then sneaking into my landlady's kitchen and eating her food at night. I heard you were fired from an early job. I was fired from the job that paid me $6 an hour, but it was after three years and I had risen through the ranks. And I had a very great relationship with the CEO and she was a huge mentor of mine. And she said, you're ready to do this. I can see you're far more passionate about your designs than this company's. You know, you're fired, but go out and do it and I'm here for you. So it was, it was positive. So did, you, did it feel positive at that moment? At that moment, it felt like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to support myself? But thank you for being not angry at me, and thank you for being willing to help me if I need help. I read you put everything you had into your business early on, and you realized that was a mistake. Tell us about that. I think early on, without having done enough research, you know, I prepared my first season as if I had orders. So, you know, had patterns made, graded things, which I got things made in every size that you needed in case someone ordered a two, four, six, and eight. I had these fancy lookbooks printed, and I think I could have probably taken it a lot slower and saved, you know, the $10,000 I had saved up, you know, through my childhood so that I didn't just go all in with my first line. And then I got, you know, one order for one size. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to see an ROI on, on everything I just put into it. So I read also early on you ran out of money. Yes. What did that feel like? That felt scary, especially when Con Ed comes and knocks at your door. This is true. They have these large men, and they come and knock at your door, and they say, we won't leave until you pay us. So I wrote a check that I didn't have money in my account to pay for, and then I ran. Uh, I had a small credit card with a small over advance, and I literally just pulled out the same amount so that I wouldn't bounce that check and have those men come back. So then I heard you called your dad for help. I did. Uh, My dad said, no, I'm not going to help you, but your brother might. Again, it wasn't shocking that my dad said no. And my brother said, you know, yes, and kind of asked me a ton of questions and, and then started helping me by loaning me his own personal money. He had a technology company. And so he was able in the early years to fund sort of the first production runs of the handbags. Was it difficult to ask your brother for help? No, at the time it wasn't at all. I mean, I was, I knew I was onto something and I think he could hear the passion in my voice and he could see that this had potential. So I think it was probably harder to ask my dad. What do you say to women who have trouble asking other people for help? I think you just have to be fearless in, in asking. And the worst thing that someone can say is no. And there's a million more people that you can go to for help. And now more than ever, I feel like there's a real sense of camaraderie around women and wanting to help and support each other. And no, the first time doesn't mean it'll be no the second time. You know, we've we've had relationships with whether it was a store or a banking relationship or, you know, even editors say no, 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 no. And then one day it's yes. So I think you have to continue to ask. 
How do you know when to keep going and when to give up? I think you keep going until you can't. You know, I think you have to come to a point where, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, no one wants your product and you've knocked on every door and you've exhausted and like, you know, turned every no stone has been left unturned. I think you have to stop if you realize you're doing the same exact thing as somebody else and you're not any different than them. So I think if you find your white space and you find that there's a need for your product and you knock on enough doors, something will happen. What advice do you have for women who are going into business with family? I have so much advice for women going (laughs) into business with family. I think you have to make sure that, you know, this relationship becomes something that you spend more time with your business partner than you do with your husband or your partner at times. And so you have to have a very strong relationship and you have to be really good. And I'm not saying we're perfect at all about separating family dynamics and family birth orders with business and how you deal with each other and the communication. So, you know, we go to couples counseling a few times a year when we when we stop getting along and that's always kind of put us back on track. But I think, you know, if you're going to spend eight to 10 hours every day with someone that you want to make sure you're starting off on the right page, that you know and have the same kind of goals going in and that you're open about goals and ideas changing as they come up. Does your husband ever say, hey, you spend more time with your brother than you do with me? You know, he's always been really supportive, so he's never once actually said that. And I think when he and I both got together, we were both signing up for two entrepreneurs, kind of putting work in front of us at the time. And now we have a family, so our kids are our priority, but really making sure that, you know, we do get to see each other every once in a while. You said sometimes you hit moments when you were like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Yes. Wondering, how did you psych yourself up again when you hit those moments? I think in those moments, thank Thankfully, my brother or one of our other partners, um, who's the president of our company, they weren't down. So at all times between the three of us, if one of us was down, the other two were kind of there to prop each other up. And uh, that made all the difference because I'd be like, I don't think, you know, we're going to make it. You know, how are we going to pay these bills or how are we going to ship these goods on time? And there was always one of them there kind of like, don't worry, we're going to figure this out. How risky is it to be an entrepreneur? I think it's risky, but, you know, it's no more risky than uh, going to work for, you know, an exciting company and almost viewing your job within that company as an entrepreneur. And I think that, you know, you can fail in both areas and you can learn a lot working for other companies and you can learn even more being an entrepreneur. So I think it's risky if you make unsafe bets and you're not prepared and you kind of just don't know what you're getting into. But I think if you are smart and read a lot and study and know what you're doing, then it's not risky at all. I've heard you recommend women do act like that. They act like entrepreneurs within their own bigger organization that may not be their own business. How come? Can you elaborate on that? I think when I meet people that have been taught to just stay in their lane and think inside their box, for instance, you know, if you're in PR, just do PR. I think where we've seen success within our company is when, you know, the people that I work with go outside of their comfort zone. So whether it's a partnership or a collaboration or an idea from, you know, the sales team coming from, let's say, the PR department, I think we want to welcome and foster that within the company. And so we've had a lot of great things occur because of that. What do you say to people who say you're an overnight success? I'll say you are totally wrong. Uh, You have no idea how hard and long we've worked for 13 years and that you as an entrepreneur have to be willing to work through holidays, nights, weekends, and put everything in the beginning at least until you have a team that can help you that this is your baby and this is first. Do you think there is such thing as overnight success? I think it's few and far between, uh, less so today. I think, you know, there were those brands that had their Oprah moment and they probably were overnight successes. But I think that now with 
the landscape of social media and the noise of you know, everything is accessible at all times. To have that breakthrough seems like it's le- happening less often. What's your best social media tip for women entrepreneurs? I think Instagram is probably, you know, emerging or not even emerging. It has emerged as like the number one if you're going to be on any social media. And I think be authentic is one of the buzzwords that's used, but it really is true. I think consumers can smell inauthentic behavior or trying to be something that you're not, and they love it when you're just you. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there, show what you stand for. And and if people don't like you, then that's fine. You can block them. What do you think people don't understand about millennial women? I think that they don't understand that we've been part of the old and we're part of the new. You know, we were around when there was weren't phones uh, like we have today. And so I think it's that we're savvy, that we're, you know, able to see, you know, sort of stride both sides, old and young. We're go-getters. And I think especially for women, this term of empowerment is kind of a negative word. You know, why should you have to be empowered? You already have this power inside of you inside of you. It's just a matter of unleashing it. So I think that changing that word and, and what that means when it's when it's applied towards our generation of, you know, female empowerment. No, we're powerful and we're going to take the bull by the horns and we're going to speak for ourselves and, and push forward. You give us one last tip on how we can push forward, speak for ourselves and be fearless. With the exception of dating, no is just the beginning of yes. Time now for your secrets. I'm Bobby Brown. My money secret is to not spend more than you make. Just don't go in debt. There's nothing worse than paying off debt. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, founder of Rebecca Minkoff. My money secret is putting something in an account that you don't remember and don't save the password for, letting it have an auto withdraw and forget it's even there. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos with help from J.R. Whalen. John Wardock is the executive producer of WSHA Podcasts. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to an encore edition of WSJ Podcasts. Check out more shows at wsj.com slash podcasts. That's wsj.com slash podcasts. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.